Kevin and Tiki on the fan. A lot to get to. We'll mix in some baseball later on. Obviously, the Super Bowl coming up. What I can't get over about the Super Bowl, just think about this for a second. Just take a step back when you think about this weekend and this game. It is in Las Vegas, Nevada. For so many years, the NFL and this commissioner talked about sports gambling and this city of Las Vegas, Nevada as a non-starter, as a almost like the third rail. The third rail or the second rail or the fourth rail? One of those rails. I got it right. The third rail. The third. Yeah, I got it right. The third rail. And the idea. (laughs) The third rail. That's where you, if you step on it, like you're You're dead fried. You get fried. You get fried. It's powering a train to move on the the subway track. Or actually on on land, but still. Right. There's a lot of volts going through there. The third rail. And it was always like evil to them to ever talk about, to ever (laughs) refer to. And here we are in this brand new world. Where not only is the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, but they're in bed with gambling. Money, 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 money. I mean, you watch these games now, and every five seconds, they're bringing up the different odds and the different things you can bet on. And the number that they're predicting this weekend is ridiculous. I think a billion dollars, right? No. 23.5 billion. I was... (laughs) $23.5 $23.5 billion is going to no. be gambled. That's insane. That's, that's more than the NFL makes. That's insanity. The NFL is a $20 billion business. It's $23.5 billion. And that's why wow. it's important to talk to this guy. And as much as I enjoy doing the show with him for two and a half years, I think what he did at 9.30 a.m. and still does on this station is probably more important. And that is talking about the pitfalls of gambling. And that is my guy, Craig Carton. Craig, what have you been up to? Like, are you doing TV or something? <laughs> uh, every now and then I do. I dabble. I dabble. <laughs> FS1 in the morning. Check it out. No, I, I, I still check you out. Are you kidding me? I'm Who still loyal. That I'd be booked as a guest on the highly rated Tiki and Evan show. Certainly not me. <laughs> he didn't even put you first, Evan. <laughs> he dropped me to two. Because <laughs> he's so used to it. <laughs> you know what? Is, I, by the way, Tiki, that number is more like $60 billion when you count. You know, all like the office pools right. and the house parties and all that stuff. Yeah, and that's here's a, a better point. way to look at it. There's roughly 300 million people that live in this country, right? Yep. And the thought is that nearly a half of those people will wager on this year's Super Bowl. Wow. That is crazy. Wow. Start what, thinking about that. Wow. And we'll, even, if, even if it's a dollar. Think how yep. much money that is. And what was yep. that number, Craig, before, you know, legalized sports gambling? Because people were always betting, but obviously it wasn't mainstream. It wasn't talked about. You know, my grandfather used to do it all the time. I certainly remember. But what was that number in comparison like a decade ago? So they, so I'll give you better. The year before the widespread proliferation of legalized gambling, which obviously started in Jersey, and you'll be able to do it on your phone and all that, they thought the total handle would be in the neighborhood of $1.5 billion. Mm-hmm. So you're talking in a five-year span, that number doing a times 30, 40? Wow. Because there's a, remember, when it came to gambling, now people like me gambled anyway. Right. I was legal, legal, whatever. I, I was a gambler, right? But there's a good portion of America that are only now gambling because it's legal. Yeah. Right? A lot of people said, I might be interested in it, but I'm not going to do it. Because it's not legal, I can't do it. I don't want to book you. I don't want to deal with that nonsense. Yeah. So the fact that it's a mainstream accepted, you know, pastime now is why so many more people are doing it. Yeah. You know, Craig, what, what is the sign that people should be looking for? Not not the gamblers themselves, but say friends or family of of some of these guys that might have a problem or gals, to be honest with you. Yep. 
Yeah, no, I, it's a great question because a lot of people don't have a problem. And to be fair, that's not to scare people. The far majority of people can gamble responsibly and do gamble responsibly. About 1% of the total amount of people that will gamble at all will present with a problem. And of those 1%, maybe 1% have the problem with leveling. You know, I had it. But the thing, you, the first thing you can look for in a friend or a loved one is how they change socially. Mm. You know, gambling, when done the way you know, people would like to do it, it should be fun. It should be recreational. It should be very social. You do it with your friends. You're at a party. You're all watching the same game. You know, that type of thing. And, you know, problem gamblers become loners. So when you see the kid that's no longer interested in dating or going to the house party or hanging out with his buddies or going to play golf or whatever the case is, a drink after work, and they're spending a lot of time by themselves, they can't separate their eyeballs from their phone because they're constantly in action looking for the next bet. Those are the first early signs for people to look at. And you'll know before anyone else knows if it's a friend that's just not acting, quote, unquote, normal the way he or she normally acts. And for people that have gambling problems, that's the first sign they become more reclusive socially and start shying away from the relationships that used to mean so much to them. How do you, if you're, you're by yourself, kind of realize I have a problem? Because that's a good way to know if it's your friend or it's a relative. Right. But if it's yourself... When's a sign that, all right, maybe I'm doing too much of this? Yeah, so that's, that's a loaded question because I was well aware that I wasn't gambling in a healthy manner, but I, I made conscious decisions not to stop. Right. Mm. So I can't say how many times I would look in a mirror and say, hey, dummy, stop. You know, you shouldn't be betting the amounts you're betting how, as often as you're betting. You know, it's not smart to be in a casino as often as I was or looking for underground games or whatever the case may be. The issue is that when you get to a, a point in your life where now you've got the problem, rational thought escapes your brain because now all you care about is when am I going to gamble? How am I going to gamble? What kind of money am I going to gamble? Where am I getting the money from? Who do I owe money to? All those types of conversations. And at that point, you're in trouble because at that point, you're starting to shield yourself from the people that care about you. And many of us, myself included, become really adept at hiding the problem and lying about it. Yeah. Yep. Now, famously, you guys know I sat next to the guys I sat next to for 10 years at the fam, and while everyone knew I liked to gamble, nobody had any idea the length I was going to gamble. Yeah. No, and I have a question about the NFL in a second, but like, if you got in trouble for it, but a lot of people won't get in trouble for it. How do they, but, how do they stop? You know, how do they get control over it? Well, first, loving family and friends. And the hardest thing for the loving family and friends is not bailing them out. Yeah. Because when you mm. bail them out, you know, you've given them a free pass at it. And that's the hardest thing. And you're part of my life now, which I take great pride in, is I counsel younger kids, you know, in their early 20s who now have gambling problems and talk to their families and do all that. Because the obvious answer is my son's hurting. I'm going to make him feel better. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make him feel better by paying off his debt or helping him out. And while we're all going to do that because we love our kids and our friends and family, you know, you just encourage them to do it again because you gave them a bailout. And that's the hardest part to tell a parent that your son's going to have to figure this out and you can aid him and walk him through it. And you can have meetings with the people you owe money to, to try to figure out a payment plan and all that. But at the end of the day, they've got to get out of it with your help. You can't just bail them out. Yeah. And one of the things you notice now with, Kids that are 18, 19, and 20, so in most states, they're not of the legal age where they can gamble. Because it's becoming so mainstream, there are parents out there that are setting up accounts in their names and allowing their kids to gamble through their name. And I have a good friend who's doing that now, 
And he asked me my thoughts on it. And I said, my concern with that is when your son loses, he never has to pay the bill. Mm. So yeah. he has no idea what it's like to lose. Yeah, it's like and playing a video game. He sense of the value of a buck. Right. Um, and then you're going down a bad road. So I don't encourage that at all. And that's why, you know, what Fandle did a number of years ago, which I, I heartfully endorse, they've created these opportunities for you to protect you from you, whether that's time limits. So if you are wagering on the FanDuel app, for example, you go and you make your wager and you turn it off. There's no reason to be on it for six hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. So you can protect yourself against that kind of behavior. Yeah. And a lot of, and then the, the other two are wager limits, self-explanatory. Right. You put a cap on how much you're allowed to wager on any particular game and deposit limits. So, you know, you can only put a thousand bucks in a month, let's say, making up a number. And again, you protect yourself not just against losses, where a lot of people, especially immature gamblers, are now going to try to chase a bad loss by throwing money at the next game just because they want to get the money back. And you know where that's going to end up. But also against big wins. You know, a good portion of problem gamblers, their journey started with a win. Right. And because they got a taste of winning, and boy, that's easy money, right. quote unquote, right? And it feels they good. They start chasing the win like a drug addict would chase a high. Well, I'll tell you what FanDuel did. I saw this the other day because I'm on FanDuel. Is they put up how much I've deposited over like the last two years. And it was almost like reminding you, like the calorie count when you're shoving food down your throat. Hey, you could eat this, but look how many calories you've eaten. And I thought that was actually smart because I haven't even put that much money in my account. But seeing the number was like, oh, okay. You know, I'm not, yeah. I ain't putting any more in. I thought that was actually very smart to, to kind of remind you of how much you've put in to maybe slow you down a little bit. Yeah, look, the reality is that if you, if you do it recreationally, it, you can, it's entertainment, right? I'm going to spend 50 bucks on a Broadway play, whatever the number is. So maybe I'm going to make tonight's ball game a pay-per-view event. And right. that's where you leave it, no problem. You're not going to have a problem. You're doing it in a reasonable manner. It's when you're like, oh, I can't believe the Nets didn't cover. Oh, there's a West Coast game. I'm going to take that 50 bucks and I'm going to put it on Portland. And then that loses. Right. And then you wind up you're betting on dogs racing in Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> that's, let's hope not. You know, Craig, I know you got a ton of connections everywhere. And now that you're a big TV star, and probably yeah. even more so, especially in the NFL. This is a fine line, a little, you know, shimmy, a little dance that they have going on with yeah. gambling. How, how are they managing or talking about this? Because it is a big issue. They have to know it is. Oh, they know it is, but they, like every other Fortune 500 company in the world, they're powered by financial greed, right? You know, think about any time a player, and the, the laws, I don't want to get into two in the weeds on it, but the rules for players, versus team employees are drastically different. Yeah, I'll huh. just give you an example. Yeah. If you're a player, the NFLPA has negotiated this with the NFL, you are allowed to wager on every sport other than the NFL. Okay, that's You're allowed to do it, okay? But you can't do it on team property, can't do it on a team bus, can't do it at a team hotel, can't do it at the facility, et cetera, et cetera. So if you got in your car and drove across the street to the local deli, you can put 50 bucks on the Nick game. If you did it in the parking lot, You've now broken the law, yeah. or the NFL bylaws, yeah. I should say. Yeah, you're going to get Staying suspended out, six games. You're a employee, a non-player. You're a secretary with the New York Jets or New York Giants. You can't wager on anything. And if you do, you're immediately fired from your job. You're suspended or fired outright. So the rules are kind of ambiguous. And the issue is, like, take this year's Super Bowl. Obviously, it's in Las Vegas. There's an NFL team in Las Vegas. All well and good. The players in this year's Super Bowl – cannot physically walk into a casino this week. Hmm. 
If they do, they're not playing in the Super Bowl. Wow. Players that are not in the Super Bowl, but who are out in Vegas to celebrate, whether it's the Pro Bowl games or just been out there, you know, for appearances and making money, et cetera, they're allowed to walk into the casino, but if they step foot in the sports book, they're suspended from next year in the NFL. Cannot play football. Mm. Wow. So it's those types of things. That's that dangerous, get a man. That's like that's flirting with right. it's flirting with with fire. Oh, right. yeah. sure. Even if you're not doing anything wrong, like, even if you, you, you could you could unwill, you could unwittingly way. do it. Yeah, right. Have a couple right. drinks, get lost a little bit. I mean, yeah. and I'm not. I'm barely joking. Yeah, I'm, I'm. You remember years ago? Remember when Tony Romo, when he was an active player with the Cowboys, right, was supposed to have an appearance for like a fantasy football thing in Vegas. I remember this. I absolutely remember, remember this. Came in and said you cannot make that appearance. Yes. So I look, it's it's the good part of you know gambling at the level is now from my perspective having lived the life that I've lived is that there are a lot of people who have always viewed gambling as a seedy kind of back alley type of thing you know the mob and breaking kneecaps and and like you know hanging outside the track that kind of thing so the upside of you know this widespread legalization and proliferation of gambling is that for example your youngest kids, Teak, and your kids, Evan, and probably my grandkids, or maybe Anthony, I suppose, they will grow up where talking about gambling at the dinner table is mainstream than normal and acceptable. Mm-hmm. And because of that, people who have a problem will now be much more likely to raise their hand and ask for help. Right. If you're a problem gambler, even 10 years ago, and you're viewed as a quote-unquote degenerate, which I can't stand that we put that adjective in front of the addiction, and a lot of people didn't know you were doing it. Who's going to raise their hand and say, I've got a gambling problem when most of society views gambling as a real dirty, ugly vice? Yeah. But I do think there's an upside to all this, which is five years from now, 10 years from now, your kids, it, God forbid they had a problem, but if they did or if they had a buddy who had a problem, it'll be very normal to say I need help and ask for it. Yeah, we're talking to Craig Carton, obviously, longtime staple at WFN. You may watch him on TV, the highly rated Carton show on oh, yeah. FS1. Uh, I was saying before, it's kind of crazy to think that we live in this world now. There's a Super Bowl in Las Vegas. You watch NFL games. We hear about the lines. We see it during commercial breaks. These are the lines now. These are the odds now. What yep. would you guess this looks like 10 years from now? Because we've already seen the great change mm. in 10 years. How about 10 years from now? Do you think we see more of it? Do you think it goes the other way and we see less of it? No, I think it, it just grows and grows and grows. It's not, it's not disappearing ever. It's not going to go back to where it was. You know, even five years ago, you will have a – listen, you can do it on your phone in, in like 30-plus states now, but there will be a gambling kiosk or a gambling uh, bar in every stadium in America, every arena in America. There will be far more um, inclusion as, as far as in-game wagering will become even bigger than it is, meaning I'm going to wager on every single play. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there's a day when you walk into the Garden or Barclays or you name the stadium and there's something at your seat in case uh, you don't have access on your phone – which wow. allows you to gamble right there in the, uh, in the moment. And I, I do hope, and I know from a FanDuel perspective, they've talked about this a lot, that if you, if you kind of follow what took place in this country when it came to not drinking and driving, there was a, a, play, there was a time, let's just say 25 years ago, when I would, it wasn't cool for me to ask you for your keys if I thought you had too much to drink, and I'd probably get in the car with you if you drove. And then there came this huge marketing campaign led by you know, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers and, and groups like that to make it clear that it is really cool if you tell your friend, I'm not letting you drive drunk. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yeah. 
companies like Uber and Lyft coming into the fold may make this a lot easier not to drink and drive. And I know from a FanDuel perspective, the goal is that we get to a place as quickly as possible where I think you have a problem and I'm your friend and I do the cool thing, which is tell you to maybe not make that bet or talk to you about you know, what you're doing and why you're making the bets you're making so I can be there for you before you make a really bad decision, even if it's just a financial decision. Yeah. Like you said, not everyone that is a problem gambler you know, winds up in prison. Right. Right. But it creates family drama, financial drama. And as much as we think we can just wake up the next day and it all gets fixed, it doesn't. It takes a long time to repair relationships that you damage. No doubt. Now let's talk about your family because late last week <laughs> there were accusations made against your oldest son, Sonny Carton, that he yeah. was behind this football aggregator on Twitter, mm -hmm. ML Football. And uh -oh. then after he denied that, it was almost right. left that it's not him, but it's Lucky Carton yeah. behind ML Football. I, decide, I dissected That's that. That's what Tiki figured out. Now, as the father of these kids, who the hell's behind ML Football? Who knows what their kids are doing these days? Oh, but oh, I, I like, the, I like the direction Tiki was going, and so I will say this, and I will help you out. I will confirm for you, ML Football is not Sonny Carton. Right. I will confirm that it's not my daughter, Mickey Carton. Okay. I'll even help you out and tell you, it's not the rock star of the family, Anthony Carter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so stop. it's Lucky Carter who's never said more than five words. Those are the ones you got to be careful about. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Craig, we appreciate it, man. Uh, continued success yeah. with the TV. I'm glad you came on to talk about Thank this. You. It's certainly important. Uh, Thank way, you, bro. Uh, what was the process in booking me today? Oh, God. <laughs> you didn't even know. I booked you through uh, FanDuel, and I was like, I wonder if Craig even knows he's coming on. And it's funny, I went on WIP in Philly earlier today. Um, you know, Spike Eskin, big rock star in New York and going to Philly. Right. And they're like, yeah, it took like three phone calls to get this done. Oh, by, by the way, since you've been known to do multiple jobs, and I give you credit, you did both very yeah. well for a long period of time. Somehow. Do you want the WFANPD job now that Spike's leaving us to go to Philly? Like, could you handle both we're TV asking in the every, We're asking everybody. Yeah. There have been some different conversations. <laughs> I can imagine that. Lukey would freak out, by the way. Uh -oh. He'd be very nervous about Our that. PD will be in at 1030. If, I said I would take the job if they agree to let Sonny replace Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> well, three more years, right? Isn't that pretty much what it is? <laughs> Thank you, Craig. We appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, Craig. Right, talk to you. Yeah, there he is, the great Craig Cartner. You can see on TV. But it's an important discussion because the Super Bowl is coming up in a couple days. Mm -hmm. And, look, you just laid out the numbers. He laid right. out the numbers. You laid out the his, numbers. His numbers are more sensible because it's not what we are counting. Right. It's what we're not counting Right. that's even more so. Well, I think we're now in a world, you know, we talked yesterday about Super Bowl parties and where we watch the game and who we watch the game with. You know, when I'm watching the game 10, 15 years ago, people would bet and people played the box game. I'm mm -hmm. not saying it didn't exist, but nowadays, right. everybody. And that box game is big. The box it's, game it's is not big. like, ah, oh, I want 100 bucks. No it's, doubt. It's a lot more than that. It's big. And then the prop bets and then just everything about the game and gambling has become. Very prominent. And the thing I wrestle with, I have to admit, because I've always been like a libertarian at heart. I guess I am a libertarian mm. where you know, we're parents. we got to take care of our own kids. We can't let anyone else raise them. I was going to say, who's the third-party candidate you're not telling us about? <laughs> well, there's a few right now. <laughs> but when I watch football, and now I've got a 7-year-old who's learning football with me, 
there is so many gambling ads. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, what is that? What does that mean? Yeah. And like I wrestle with, should I explain it? Yeah. Is that something I even want him to learn? Obviously, when he's of age, like you make your own decisions. Hopefully, I'll teach him right and right. wrong. But it's just so in your face, which was never the case. Like gambling was never... It was around football. It's now in football. And I'm not saying you're doing it as a broadcaster because the broadcasters still aren't really talking about it, but we get those odds after every commercial break. No, I mean, they come up all the time. Look, I think Al Michaels is the only one that can actually inject it into a broadcast and get away with it, but it's there, right? All all of us endorse something or another, right? As as radio host, as TV host, everybody is, is on the is on the train. Yeah, no, I'm doing it too, right? How it makes economic sense for these companies, I have no idea, but they, they spend a lot of money trying to get the next dollar. Mm-hmm. A lot of money. And now the league's involved. Yes. And for many, many years, and it's world famous that Goodell said, basically, we would never do this. We never want to get involved in gambling. And his excuse now for why they've decided to do it is because the Supreme Court obviously basically announced a decade ago yeah, we're going to allow states yeah. to legalize it if they so choose. And now we're at the point where how many states have legalized sports gambling? 35 30, states, yeah, 36 30, states. 35, 36, something like Somewhere that. in that number. And so the NFL's decision was, you know what? Screw it. Let's just make money off of it. Yep. And with that comes a lot of rules and concerns. We'll go through some of the rules because it's fascinating about what's out there in Vegas this weekend getting ready for the Super Bowl. And plus more on this game. And one thing we never found out yesterday, which I am fascinated to find out today, is what the hell is Tiki doing during the Super Bowl? (laughs) We found out last week that during one of the playoff games, you were on like a Peloton bike. (laughs) I was. No, I was on a treadmill. He was on a treadmill. Ten miles on a treadmill. Ten miles on a treadmill treadmill during a football game. Does that mean he does 30 miles during the Super Bowl? (laughs) We'll find out. Plus more of your calls, 877-337-6666. Not that I'm rooting for it, obviously, but you know, Craig was mentioning it before. The NFL has these rules for Super Bowl 58 yeah. in which if you're an active player that's just there. because yeah, not, not in the game. Not in the game. You're just there. You can legally gamble, but you can't bet on sports and you can't even be in a sports book. So you could play blackjack, you could play craps, you could be at tables, you can legally gamble, you could do the nightlife, you do all that crap. But... If you even walk through a sports book, unless you have to walk through the sports book yeah. to get where you're going. Like to a restaurant or whatever it may be. You get suspended. God, doesn't it feel inevitable that something bad is going to happen? Yes. It really does. Yes. You you get into Vegas and you get into some of these, these I don't know, these monst- monstrous buildings. You kind of don't know where you're going. You're just kind of like walking around. Well, and are we really going to be? Yeah, you're on the casino. Floor. But are we going to be that nitpicky? Like someone literally walked through and sat down for ten seconds, they're suspended. I, I Is that mean, literally what the league's going to do? I, maybe, maybe. I that's and tough the thing because is, you, don't, you don't know. Like I remember when I first went to Vegas, I didn't know what the sports book was. Like I kind of, kind of knew what it was. Like there's windows up there, but you're kind of like, all right, what are they doing up there? Like you can just kind of walk in. And it and I know the one in the Wingate, the Superbook, which I used to have a, a deal with, or they still have a deal with. Like when you walk in there, the most comfortable place to go sit down and hang out is the sports book. Right. Right. There's this these plush seats. They're they're awesome. They're big. They're comfortable. You got table service. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I know for and well. So if you're a player and you're like, ah, oh, I just happen to be, you know, here, oh, this is a cool place to sit out. But see, that's the thing that would piss me off. If you're a player and you make the innocent mistake of yeah. sitting down on a comfortable couch. Right. And that's what it's gonna be. Of course. Right. We really gonna have the NFL police suspend that guy? 
Is that really a thing? Yeah, especially on Saturday when somebody dumbly has a couple drinks and goes, I'm going to bet this college basketball. No, no, but that's different. Well, hold on a second. There's a big difference between taking your wallet out and betting on a game and literally sitting down in a sports book and having that cost you six games of the NFL season the following Mm -hmm. year. Well, to be fair. Go ahead. To sit at these sports books with the empty seats, all of them this week especially, they are all reserved seating. So oh, good point. It, it'll be very good difficult point. for somebody to randomly sit down unless they have a paid-for ticket. That's a good point. The only non no, no, hold, hold on. You're right if that was me. You're right if that was you. All right. But certainly not right if it was Tiki, by the way. If you're a professional athlete, you don't think someone's going to take my seat. <laughs> sit right here. I guess that's going to happen. Hey, oh, hey, hey, you want to come hang out? We're me and my boys have some drinks. I'll buy you some drinks. Yeah. And you're sitting in a sports book. That, that was... And they're FaceTime. They're like, hey, look what we're doing. We're up here with uh, whoever. That's the dangerous part. Everybody <laughs> with the video phone. But right that, phone. That's my point. That's why, like, I understand the rules and you want to be safe. And you don't want what the NFL is afraid of. And I totally get it. Because this is the thing that could bring the NFL down. Mm-hmm. The thing that could bring the NFL down is people not believing it's real. Yeah. People believing the fix is in. People thinking this is 1919 baseball all over again, and we got Black Sox scandals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I so think, I get why they want to protect against that. Yeah, I think the real the real issue is let's say let's just say that Saquon Barkley is tight with Christian McCaffrey, and you run into Saquon Barkley, and Saquon Barkley is just like, oh yeah, Christian told me that they're going to do X Y Z and yada yada yada, and that guy now goes and bets on it, and it's innocent. Just like, hey, you talk, you talk to your boy Christian. Yeah, I talked to him. He said this. That now all of a sudden affects his ability to bet successfully. Oh, I get why something. players shouldn't bet on the NFL. Right? right. No, no, I no. I'm not even saying the Saquon's not doing this. I'm saying Saquon. Evan Roberts goes up to Saquon Barkley. Oh, and he's he like, tells me. Oh, hey, hey, hey. You know, you know Christian McCaffrey, right? Well, how's he feeling? Oh, you know, he, he banged up his hamstring a little bit. He may be a little limited. Uh, see, Saquon says this innocently because he's just kind of right, right. Just talking to whoever comes up and talks to him. Now you, Evan Roberts, go and bet something on that. But that could happen anywhere. That doesn't have of to happen course. in a sports book. But just think of it. Just think of everybody's in Vegas right now. I know Saquon's out there because he's on a plane with my buddy, Alan, who was flying back to Las Vegas. By the way, on the plane with Snooky too. Wow. <laughs> the Jersey Shore. That's, that's some a, plane that's right a great there. Plane. Yeah. It's like Snooky and the situation and JWoww <laughs> and Saquon. And no spoilers on family vacation. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> They're, they're just filming out in Vegas. But anyways, this plane was loaded with all these people. But anyway, my point is, all these people are out there. And you could just have an innocent conversation because you know somebody on one of these teams and it changes how that person's having that conversation bets on this game. Now, the other thing I read about the active players, because the active players on the Niners and Chiefs are not even staying by the Strip. So when you think about it, they should never be on the Strip. Right. Like, right. they're at hotels that are, far, I don't want to say far away, but Lake they're... Las Vegas. It's about a half an hour away. Matter of fact, that's where the Jersey Shore film family vacation. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That is far away, then. A half hour yeah. drive, that's far away. Especially in Vegas. If you are playing for a team in the Super Bowl, you can't gamble at all. You can't play any blackjack. As soon as the game is over, you can. <laughs> so, the moment... But the... you can't bet on sports. No, no, that you can Well... Wait, what are the rules on betting on sports? No. I thought you can yeah. when no. the season's over. You just Wait. can't bet on football. No, no it's no. not on a team facility. On a team facility, right. So in Vegas this week, these are the rules. I just double-checked this. Okay. The players playing in the game can't gamble at all their entire time in Vegas, right. including the moment the game ends. They can't bet on any sport. Really? Even on the play home, they can't, like... Well, <laughs> once they're out of the... Oh, I'm out of I know Vegas. what you're saying. I know what you're saying. The non-players in the game that have visited Las Vegas are not allowed to gamble on any sports... 
basketball, hockey, anything. At all, while they're in Vegas. At all, while they're in Vegas. However, their restriction ends the moment the final whistle happens in the Super Bowl. So soon as the game's over. So as soon as the game's over, they can go bet on St. John's. Right. They go out and they want to bet on a Monday college basketball game on one of the sports books or place a future bet on the NBA. They could go do that. But the players who are not in Las Vegas, say, say I don't know, Sterling Shepard, assume he's still retired, is not retiring. If he's in Jersey and if he's, he's on the in Fandle Jersey app, and he wants to bet on, I don't know, St. John's again. Right, one Creighton. The, he yeah, can he do can, that. He can theory can do All that. Right. So just, just the guys in Vegas, Correct. they can't bet on so any sports. What I think would be difficult is, think about yourself. So you grew up, you're living in Virginia. I would assume, I'm making an assumption, tell me if I'm wrong, the thought of betting on sports probably never crossed your never. mind. Not once. Not once. It's Never not, even thought about it. It wasn't legal. Nope. And so, as Craig was even saying, if you were gambling on sports in the 90s, it was like this quote-unquote seedy underground. Right. It felt like you, the bookie and someone's going to break your legs. It's, right. how, it's how it was romanticized, even though it's right. the wrong word, on television. That's, so, that's all I knew. So think about this. At the age of 40-something, that's when sports gambling becomes popularized and you could do it on your phone. So for you as a former athlete, it's easy and understandable why you'll never, ever bet on sports. Yeah. Like, it was never a part of something you did. Nope. It became a thing when you were in your 40s. Yeah. And you were so, as an athlete, like, I'm not betting on sports. I was just past sports. it. I remember when fantasy football became a thing, which wasn't really gambling, but it is kind of gambling. Right. And people would be like, oh, my God, you didn't score a touchdown. I'm like, we won the damn game. <laughs> right, right, right. Who cares? But here's the difference. <laughs> here's where I think this is so different for the modern-day athlete. They are so surrounded by gambling mm-hmm. and to the point where when they're 18, 19 years old, I'm not sure about the individual rules and states, their parents, as Craig was even saying, can kind of set up an account like yep. you can bet a little bit. And gambling is so normalized. Now you go to college. Now you're playing sports. Now you're a professional athlete. Making millions of dollars, by You're the making way. millions, <laughs> but you've done this. Yeah. And now you can't. Yeah. And so that's far different than what you dealt with or any athlete, really, who played in the past. Like, it was never something you associated with. It wasn't something you ever had to cut out of your life because no. you never did it. No, I But the young modern yeah. athlete probably gambles. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, so here are the rules. You can do this here, but you can't do that there. You can't bet on this. You can bet on that. And that's why I think it's more understandable why there's going to be that quote-unquote innocent mistake. Because I think there are going to be innocent mistakes. I think some of the players that were suspended this past year, they were innocent mistakes. Yeah. Do you, what, what is it, 21 to gamble? Or is it 18? It's 21 to gamble. 21 to gamble. But I don't even know in individual states anymore. Is that is that everywhere that you got to be 21 to gamble? I don't even know. I don't know. There's 74 different phone numbers to call depending on where you are. I don't know. I don't know anymore. <laughs> it's, it's so true. I have no idea. But I know it happens. Like kids in college, I know they're gambling. Right. It happens. Like And they, and they don't – maybe they're using – Sports books or how they get around it somehow. Exactly. But. Let's not be naive. When did you have your first drink? When did all of us have our first drink? Were we really 21 years old? 11. Zima. <laughs> Are you serious? How did you get yeah. that? Zima? I, I don't even want to tell you because they will come knocking on my mother's door. Oh. Oh, your parents gave it to you. Yes. That's okay, by the way. That's how I had my first drink. Yes. My parents were really and smart with what they said. They said, if we give it to you, it's less likely that you're going to run around and do something stupid when you're 17 years old in high school. Yeah. So it was philo- actually a yeah. smart strategy, which I'm not against. They're so philosophy. don't arrest my parents or arrest By the way, parents. nowadays, that's not even a thing. No. Like, when did you have your first drink is not a thing. Yeah. Okay. It no. was when we were growing up. I remember I was at the beach my senior year in high school. Senior you, year in high how'd school? How'd you get the drink, though? It's because we were at beach week. Okay. I mean, I had a drink. My girlfriend got so pissed off at me. You're going to ruin your life. <laughs> You're done. And then I didn't get drunk until I was in college. 
Uh. My first year, my RA, Chip Roy, who's now a congressman down in, in Texas. Uh, I've heard of Chip Roy. Chip Roy, yeah, he's on the he's on the right side. But <laughs> and, and, yeah. he doesn't mean right or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but he brought a pony keg to wow. the dorm. So he was the RA of Metcalf, first right. And uh, actually, were we right or left? First left, I think. <laughs> first left. He brought a he brought a pony keg, and we just got we were young and dumb, and it was awesome. Yeah, I'm doing a keg. <laughs> Why do you say that's not a thing anymore, though? Like you're saying that parents now just give their kids booze when they're 15. I, I Is that think, what you're implying? I par- yeah, I think parents are less stringent about it than our parents were. Really, 100. percent See, I thought my parents, and in Sean's case, even though you're 11, that's weird. They were being smart in saying, if we give it to you, mm-hmm. it's less likely that you're going to do something stupid. Kind of. Now, I agree. My mom should have done it at 11. It was more like, I'm dying of thirst, and she was too lazy to walk back in the house, have a sip of this, and laugh as you spit it out. But her thought process was simply, you're not going to like this, and then it's going to stick with you that you don't right. like this. But it was ah. Zima, and you put a Jolly Rancher in it, and it was delicious. I got to be honest with you. I was kicking back, but two years later, I was ready to go. By the way, speaking of booze, so I told you I was at Epcot this weekend. Yeah. I had a chocolate peanut butter beer. Oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. A little God. stout? Yeah. I was in America, too. I was at Epcot, where they have all the countries. I was back at the American Experience, and I said, honey, I want to drink in America. She said, why the hell are we drinking in America? You can drink in America anytime you want. I said, I don't know. We're at Epcot. Let's drink in America. So right before you go into that American show at the American Experience, I went up, and they had all these flavored beers, and I saw chocolate peanut butter, and I was like, hook me up. And dude, it was splendid. It tasted like chocolate and peanut butter. It's like eating a loaf of bread, though. That's a heavy beer. <laughs> it was heavy. It was heavy, but it was damn good, that's right. for sure. Uh, let's go to Scott on Long Island. What's going on, Scott? Hey, you doing, fellas? Yo! You know, you know, I was just listening to you talking about players and, and when and if they can bet and how they can bet. And I, I think you can drive yourself crazy. Uh, does, it, does it extend to – should it extend to family members? Uh, how deep into the family? Right. Should, I mean, the, should the, play, the, the player's father-in-law be able to bet? You know, I, I, you should Taylor Swift be able I thought she needs to. <laughs> well, um, she did. I mean, that would really create, like, craziness around. Wait, 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 hold on a second. Are players' relatives allowed to bet? Are their girlfriend? Like, what's the, what's the answer to that, though? Right. I, I don't know, Like, could actually. Taylor Swift bet on the Super Bowl? I mean, why not? She's a... She's a <laughs> Because she may have inside information from sleeping with a guy on the roster. Of course she does. Right. With the amount of money she has, if she lays a bet down, you got to be wondering why. (laughs) (laughs) No, but but, but Scott, it's it's actually a really interesting point. Forget Taylor Swift. She's like the the, the popular example. But if you're a wife or a brother or a cousin of a player in the Super Bowl, are you allowed to bet? I would I would think, yeah, like the NFL can't enforce anything. Yeah, they don't but, own you. Right, but it goes to Tiki's point of the information. Well, didn't one of the guys last year get in trouble because he was he was having someone bet for him? You're, you're thinking of the college baseball guy that, that just came yeah, down. The coach right. of the college would call somebody else in Cincinnati. We're going to have four players sit today. Yes. He would place the big bet, and it was nobody related to him. They just found out this guy was placing an unnormal amount of money. Yeah, I, would, it, I would think that's the rule. What's the rule, though? Like, if Taylor Swift, we'll use her as an example, bets on the Niners, doesn't that look like, oh, maybe you got information? But, but how do you police that? It's emotional that? insurance. Like, <laughs> that's me. That's what I do. Think about how many times you might read on X or Twitter one of these dumb bets. Like, somebody bet five hundred grand on the Niners to win the money line. And think about the people that would have that kind of money to place that. Most of those people are probably in some high society where they know through a trickle down some other players. So how do you police any yeah. of that? 
No, I, yeah. I think it's impossible to police, but I'm just following what our caller said, and even what Tiki said earlier about the dangers of Christian McCaffrey says to Saquon Barkley, yeah, my knee's a little banged up, and then Saquon Barkley is at the sports book accidentally, and, and no offense to Saquon or Christian, we're just using examples yeah. here, then just says, oh, yeah, Christian's got a banged-up knee, and then all of a sudden bets are being made. Right. Like, following that same logic, you'd run into the same problem with a brother or a I, relative of someone playing the game. Ultimately, I feel like this is not controllable. It's not as controllable as the NFL wants to make it seem. It's not. Like, right. the whole thing, I get why they're doing it, and I support the Supreme Court's decision, and I like that our state gives us the option to gamble, and I support the legalization of gambling. And look, as a father, I got to do a damn good job to make sure it doesn't infiltrate my sons. Like, mm-hmm. that's on me to figure out, and I acknowledge that. But there is so much, so much that can go wrong with this, and the league being in bed with it, and the league being in Vegas. Yeah, like, There's a lot that goes along with it. We can't just whistle by the graveyard and say everything's fine. That's ridiculous. I'd be naive. Let's go to Mike in Brooklyn. Hey, Mike. Hey, what's up? Listen, uh, ESPN starting its own uh, sports book, I heard. So how can they do it? And they'll skew bets anytime they want. All they got to do is report something that, you know, that'll change the spread. Yeah. I mean. Could that be a thing, Tiki? I mean, you think about the the sharps, like the guys that make the lines. And the information that they tried, that they use, and how they get it. If with ESPN, if they if they are like, I don't if they're like talking about all of the issues with teams, they really can set lines. Yeah, I mean, almost unfairly. Yeah, I, that that is an interesting conflict of interest. But again, the ESPN with all the networks, they're in bed with the NFL. Oh, dude. I mean, it's. Hundreds of billions of dollars. They're all in bed. Right. They're, so. they're all sleeping with the gambling <laughs> because it makes them a crap ton of money. Yeah. I, you know, Craig used to say this, and I completely agree with him, and it hasn't happened yet. Major League Baseball, the sport of Major League Baseball, which we've talked about mm-hmm. how they've kind of dipped in popularity. I haven't talked about it recently at this radio station that I feel, as someone that's been here full time since 2007, I feel like we talk less baseball today than we did five years ago. And that's just the nature of the sport. One thing that can really turn baseball into a juggernaut again Mm -hmm. is gambling. And Craig's always made this point because of the time in between pitches. And I have to admit, last year I was sitting at a Met game with a buddy of mine. And we were playing very small numbers. Okay, I just like, yeah. he was literally my friend. I don't, I don't know if I want to say his name now. <laughs> but he was betting like a dollar at a time. He was betting on every at-bat. Every, every at-bat? Like the at- result of the at-bat? Correct. Or like the pitch? The at-bat. No, no, no. That's impossible. The at-bat. And so it would be like plus 500 for a base hit. Plus 900 for an extra base hit. Uh, plus 100 for an out. <laughs> plus 250 for a strikeout. And I remember he did it. And again, like ridiculously small numbers, which you better do. Because right. if you pick up big numbers, that'll add up. And as I started playing along with him, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> this is the future. Wow. This is the future. Wow. So you bet a dollar, you win nine? Yeah, if, if you happen to be right, right about the home run. And I did it for a while, and the only thing that got to me, and this is other people would love it, but it got to me, was it was just my brain kept hurting from making these decisions after every at-bat. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, screw it, I just want to watch the game. Yeah. Like, I don't want to think about this. I just want to sit back, I want to score the game, yeah. and I want to be happy. Because it could be a four-pitch at-bat, or a ten-pitch at-bat, or a one-pitch at-bat. Right. And, and then, then you're making the next decision. Then you're making the next decision, and you got to do it quick. It's just like, it, it was 
like breaking my brain cells, <laughs> but I also understood yeah. like, oh, I can see how this could become a thing, how this could take Major League Baseball from this sport that, and this is not me saying this, right. this is the public saying it, it's boring, who cares, it's a long regular season, and making it really, really interesting. And the proof that it wasn't going to work with me is that I don't feel that way about baseball. Yeah. Like a game in May is exciting to me. So I don't think I need it, but for maybe 90% of people, they may need it. Well, I mean, like... Dickie's like, sign me up for that I'm one. Just, I'm just trying to think about the analytics, because analytics can help you win that. Oh, God. So, like, processing the analytics between each at-bat, yeah. that's what you would have to do to put yourself in best position to win. Or you're just making guesses every time yeah, someone comes up. Yeah, but if you're just up. guessing, you're just playing a lottery then. Yeah, that's right? what you're doing. Right, but that's just... That's, that's not fun. If you have a... Because you can gain an advantage. Yeah, like, but there's you, a gainable advantage to be had. But do you think... Let's use Sean as an example. Sean is going to sit there, and he does not have a gambling problem, by the way, but he bets on like 150 different things. Do you think he's using <laughs> analytics to decide what he's betting on? What do you think he's Are just you? like, ooh, ooh, you're just like, I really think. Well, it's not, ooh, <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of both. I think you can overthink the gambling with analytics. I do get enticed by some trends I might read, and I'll do a little deeper research. But ultimately, I'm going with what my belief is that will happen. Yeah, I'm talking no, about this, like, yeah. in-game stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, you're talking no, about. That's what I'm talking about. Or, like, for instance, and I'll full disclosure, I was at Lugie's house during the divisional round. And we were having fun, small dollar amounts, betting those drives. Who was going to catch a pass or whatever. Huh. And With each other. With each other. It was me, Got him, it. and a couple of the buddies. Because I don't think you could do that on sports books, right? You, you don't can. bet on individual drives, can you? Oh, on FanDuel you can. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I've never even yeah. seen it. So, but And you get, like, juicy odds or whatever. So we would bet, okay, Niners drives coming up in that commercial break. Who's going to catch a pass? And we would each pick, you know, or we would go, go in on one guy. I had this basis. I'm like, you know what? George Kittle doesn't have a catch yet. They're due to get him involved in the offense. We bet it. It hit. So, like, that sort of analytical stuff based on what's happening right, in the right, game so right. far. What kind but of numbers are they? Are they the same? Like, we got, like, plus 340. So, if we oh, bet, geez. you know, that was it. By the way, I could totally see Sean sitting with me, like, nightly at City Field, being like, I'm just going to sit there and just bet on every at-bat. Yeah. By the way, you win some, you lose some, but don't bet above your means, clearly. Well, that, look, you got to be smart about it, obviously. But, yeah, that's that's where baseball can really take advantage of it. So, I get why leagues get involved. Yeah. Because they want to make as much money as possible. And in the case of baseball, elevate their popularity. Like, the NFL's popularity didn't need the elevation. Maybe because gambling was always associated with it to begin right. with. Well, I mean, so, go back to the beginning of the, the the league. Right. That's what it was. Oh, no doubt. It just so, wasn't as prevalent as it's today. You just need to be careful because mm-hmm. the integrity of the sport is the thing that can kill a sport. Right. That's the thing. We've talked about what could kill the NFL, this juggernaut that's going to have 120 million people watching the Super Bowl. And I I think you may have brought up, you know, the rules changing or games being every single night. Mm -hmm. The integrity is the thing. That was one one of the things on my list because it was also about the refereeing. Yes. A refereeing issue that kind of felt like it plagued the entire season this year. Yes, yes. That if you felt like they weren't good enough to call a real game or they were fixing it, that's one of the things it would – Turn you off the football. Jim is in Bordentown. What's up, Jim? What's going on, guys? How are we? What's up? Good. Um, so integrity is a big thing. And that aside, I think the biggest issue that gambling faces in terms of like a a level is the collegiate level. Um, and I was talking on when I was on hold, but you know, you could say that players are trying to throw games and they don't make enough money. But my point to this is that there are so many student body members that are privy to information, whether it's 
students that are in the training rooms, whether it's students that are working on the sidelines, so many of these kids can see who may or may not be playing, and not so much on a football game because one player might not, you know, determine the outcome. Yeah. But on a basketball That's game, a good if you know if, if there's someone working in the training room that knows right before a game that so-and-so is going to be scratched, like that can change the game. Friends, yeah. text a friend, and boom, like you got a bunch of people that are placing bets off of what just happened in the training room. Yeah, no, you're right about the college side of it because it's it's intimate. Like it's everybody's there. Like oh, you're yeah. hanging out with the soccer players and the, the softball players. It's everything. The the basketball team, everybody's all around each other. They you all eat at the same spot. Right, right. So someone walks in with a cast on their hand, and it's I don't know the shooting guard. It's like oh well, I guess he's not playing. Well, it's also <laughs> easier because college kids aren't making the kind of money that professional athletes well, are making. I mean, some of them are starting to get close. No, you're right. Like NILs has kind of changed that, dude. When you think, did you see the thing? Who is this? Spencer Rattler? Is that the guy? Just kid I just saw. Spencer Spencer, Spencer Rattler just bought a Lamborghini. Mm. Lamborghini. <laughs> He's in college, dude. Yeah. Actually, I think he might be leaving college, but whatever. Right. He's in college. He bought a Lamborghini. So the, those the NIL truck. deals are, yeah. Dude, they're real. Now, that may be part of a deal, but still. But NIL uh, deals, when you think about it this way, help avoid the idea that guys and kids can be paid off yeah. to throw a game. Like, the reason why the Black Sox scandal happened, I know it's 100 years ago, but it's something we should never forget. Like, we should always learn from history, is that those professional athletes... Those big-time players felt like they were being squeezed by Charlie Comiskey. Yeah, they they were not getting money. paid. They yeah. weren't making money. No. So I'm not trying to say I defend them or I defend Eddie Sacati or Joe Jackson or anybody, but it was like, wow, someone's offering us a lot more money. Yeah. What do you do? It's hard not to have been enticed by it. By the way, yeah. I don't know if it's Sacati or Seacott or whatever it is, but he was a great pitcher for the Chicago White Sox who had a great career. Unfortunately, he threw the World Series. He was banned. He was banned. He was one of the eight men out. Mm -hmm. When we come back, what workout is Tiki Barber going to do while he watches the Super Bowl? Plus, this beard continues to grow because Pete Alonzo hasn't signed a contract extension. What have I told you? We have an update on the possibility oh, stop. that I can cut my beard because the Mets and Alonzo work out a long-term deal now. We have an update. And we'll tell you exactly what it is when we come back. Evan and Tiki here on The Fan. Wishful thinking, Evan.